Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, good morning, women of God. Good morning, wives who wore. Good morning, daughters of the King. Good morning. Listen, I'm not going to belabor the time because there is much to be said on today. Good morning and welcome to Morning Manna. It's a time of empowerment and prayer for the wives who wore. So let me jump in. Father God, we thank you, we praise you, and we magnify your name. We thank you for who you are and for who you've been. We thank you for keeping us throughout the night. God, for not allowing any hurt, harm, or danger to come nigh us, our dwelling places, or the vehicles that we traveled in. God, we thank you for keeping us, for you are a keeper. We thank you for protecting, leading, and guiding us, Lord God. God, and on this morning, as we prepare to empower, God, I ask that you would increase that I may decrease, Lord God. And let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, let it be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Hallelujah. So listen, this morning, well, let me back up. We've been talking during the month of September on its pushing time. For those of us who are mothers in the natural we carried our child, the majority of us, right? Nine months. And it is in that nine months that we are preparing for what is to come. And it is in that same light that many of you are pregnant in the spirit realm and you have been pregnant for nine months and it is pushing time. This morning, I want to talk to you about delivery room danger. Delivery room danger. There are many of you whose spiritual wounds cannot receive a promise. You spontaneously abort the word. There are others who lose the baby for one reason or another. This morning's word of empowerment is for those who feel they can't continue because the strength to deliver is gone. Scripture says in Isaiah 37 and three, that's where we're coming from this morning, Isaiah, 37 and 3 reads, they told him, this is what Hezekiah says, this day is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace as, as when children come to the moment of birth and there is no strength to deliver them. There is no strength to deliver them.
when God has deposited something in you and life or the devil are conspiring to abort it, that's the place where there's delivery room danger. I'm especially thinking about a promise from God or something his word declares we can have. Have you ever been on the carnival? Excuse me, have you ever been to the carnival and seen the strength test? Ring the bell to win a prize. You want the prize, but just can't seem to be able to muster the strength to ring the bell. Sometimes life is like that. If that is you, then this is for you. I want you to think about the critical moments of pregnancy. The process of giving birth is incredibly tiring, stressful, and to be quite honest, it can be very dangerous. I think there may be more than one woman here who can relate to a childbirth where they had been laboring for so long, exhaustion had set in. And they could say they felt like they didn't have the strength to see it through. I know that's the truth for me. I want to talk about giving birth, but not of a child, but of a promise or destiny, which God has for us. For now, we'll skip the part about the process of conception. However, the Bible describes that process as the word being mixed with faith. Hebrews 4 and 2 says, For unto us the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Some people, when it comes to the word of God, have a spontaneous abortion. Jesus talked about that in Mark 4 saying the devil steals the sown word. I wonder how many of you have had a destiny or God's purpose for your life aboard it. Some of you will never carry God's promises to term because your womb won't accept a promise. We'll skip over morning sickness, back aches, leg cramps, heartburn, stretch marks, clothes that don't fit, and in general, overall uncomfortableness. Other than to say that before you can give birth to something, there is a whole lot of physical and emotional struggle that will precede it, it being giving birth. Processing your promise is like pregnancy. The joy is not in getting pregnant, Pregnancy is the difficulty. Giving birth is the rejoicing moment. Just like there are people who get pregnant but are never able to deliver successfully in the natural, there are a lot of people with spiritual promises who will not successfully give birth. When the king of Assyria entered Israel, and began attacking and overtaking many cities, he sent word to Isaiah and said, tell God what's going on here. And specifically tell him there are 
They are in danger of losing this child, our destiny, our nation, the promise of this land. We are at a critical moment. It could be the time for the birth of something wonderful, but we are completely out of strength to deliver the baby. This message, this word of empowerment on this morning is for those who have been pregnant with a promise and are sensing there is danger of losing the baby. Hezekiah had been, had been brought to the brink of despair. Maybe that is you on this morning. It is also a warning to those whom God would stir up with the promise that hell is always seeking ways to abort everything God wants to give birth to. Hell is always, right? Seeking ways to abort everything God wants to give birth to. Isaiah 36 and one says, now it came about in the 14th year of King Hezekiah. Cynic, excuse me, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and seized them. One by one, the cities of Israel fell into his hand. Finally, he gets to Jerusalem. And instead of attacking, he offers them the idea of surrendering. His speech was very intimidating. And I'm going to tell you about that. But first, let me tell you about one of the types of strength that Hezekiah realized he no longer had. There are several types of strength that you can run out of in labor, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. It wasn't one of these that Hezekiah ran out of. Hezekiah lost community strength. Hezekiah was living in a day and age when he saw bad things happen to other believers, fortified cities. These things were happening. These things weren't happening to those Johnny come lately's, but to fortified cities. You are in a day and a season where you are going to have to stand alone. God is getting you ready for the time when the Bible says that many shall betray one another. They will depart from the faith. The love of many will wax cold. Hezekiah felt abandoned. He felt alone. He felt like he was the only one left carrying the shield of faith. And he sends word to Isaiah. I don't know if, if, if I don't know if I can keep this up is what literally he was saying. In Genesis 32 and 24, he, it reads, and Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. He was alone, he was in a fight until the breaking of day. This is not a day that you should all be surprised if you find out you are fighting alone. If you can't walk alone, you are in for, in for trouble. Later in Israel's history, the whole nation was carried away into captivity, but only four boys chose to continue to live for God. And I believe it was their courage that pushed others back into the fold of faith. They walked alone and they were an inspiration to others. 
They walked alone and they were an inspiration to others. Hezekiah had been had seen fortified cities fall. And whenever we see others fall, it can trouble our faith. There is a scriptural principle that when the shepherd is smitten, the sheep will scatter. We live in a day and age where the news reports of fallen ministries are frequent and severe. The fortified cities have fallen. Jerusalem was alone. People that Hezekiah thought were pillars were captured by the enemy. And he realized that the protection of being in a group was gone. He was on his own and he was fearful of his ability to make it. The interesting part is that when the Assyrians come to Jerusalem, instead of attacking with military might, they attack instead with words. Some people, all they have to have is a little intimidation and they will run for the hills. Let me be very clear about this. If you are going to live for God and stand on his word, you are going to have to face and learn to deal with intimidating words spoken by the enemy. Isaiah 36 and 11, then Elohim and Shebna, Joah said to uh, Rashika, speak now to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it and do not speak with us in Judean, in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. Isaiah 36 and 12, but Rabshika said, has my master sent me only to your master and to you to speak these words and not to the men who sit on the wall doomed to eat their own dung and drink their own urine with you? Has not he sent me just to you? The military officers who were better educated, better trained, and also spoke multiple languages and also probably war experienced were concerned the rank and file who weren't as well prepared would melt in fear. So they tried to get Sinaturip uh, men to speak only to the leaders. They were trying to shield the people from intimidating words the strong to protect the weak. But the truth is that a faith that can't stand intimidating words is not a very good faith. Senator Riggs men respond, shouldn't the guys who are going to eat their own dung and drink their urine hear what we have to say? In short, we cannot protect people from intimidation Everyone has to face it and learn to overcome it. Our kids will face it in the classroom and on the playground. We will face it on the assembly line and in the boardrooms. You will have to deal with it in community meetings and in your prayer closet. There will always be voices to challenge your faith in God. The second area of attack that was that it was the weakest part of the line that was under attack. Let me say that one more time. The second area of attack 
was that it was the weakest part of the line that was under attack. The weakest part of the line is the second area for which they were under attack. All the real attacks you will have to have in life will be in your greatest areas of weaknesses. Identify your weakest areas and shore them up. The enemy always attacks your weakest flank. We tend to ignore our weakest flanks. Our general, however, sees the need to strengthen the line in that area. And that is why he allows squirmish along that flank. That's why he allows the enemy to get us in those areas because God is trying to reveal our weaknesses to us so that we can shore them up with the word of God. We can shore them up through prayer. How many times have you thought that you would much prefer an attack in an area where you are emotionally better prepared to handle it? Yeah, that's the easy way out. If I was your enemy, I would scan your lines for your weakest flank and attack them there. God knows our weakest flanks and the most often used way to build up that flank is to allow it to be attacked so that we better become warriors in that area. The flu shot is a little sickness to able us to handle a big one. So our life's trials, they come so that we can handle the larger trials that come up against us. How do you think the rank and file took those words? The men will eat their own dung and drink their own urine. Those words were not said in a vacuum. Sinasharib's army was there to back them up. Those were scary words. Scary words will make you run from your promise or to God. Which have you been doing? Have you been running from your promise that God placed on the inside of you? Or have you been running to him? There have been countless destiny abortions because of scary thoughts. God is not going to help you. If he was, you wouldn't be where you already are in this situation. You are not going to make it. It's too late. Now, I know that this time, Shinasharab was just using words, but the words were backed up by his massive standing army. Words alone won't get you to quit or give up. It's when they are conveyed and you can see just on the horizon the buildup of enemy forces. This was a very real and dangerous battle for the very life of the Jewish nation. This is the story of the do or die battle. We often find ourselves in, in this story of the enemy's continual attempt to abort everything God has and desires for us, whether it be a promised future, a calling, a healing, a breakthrough, a turnaround in your marriage or your business, a relationship uh, to be restored, for your children to serve God, whatever it is. 
bringing to birth God's promises is often like warfare. It is a fight often with armies, with superior forces. The Bible says we are not fighting against flesh and blood. There are powers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. Whenever you are in, whenever you are troubled by the thought of who you are fighting against, calm yourself by reminding yourself of who is on your side in the fight with you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When the enemy gets in your face, turn your face from him and towards God. Hezekiah went to the temple and then sent word to the prophet Isaiah. And he sought a word from the Lord. Isaiah 37 and 1 says, and when King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth and entered the house of the Lord. Isaiah 37 and 2 says, then he sent Elohim, who was over the household with Shebna, the scribe and the elders of the priests covered with sackcloth to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amaros. That same sentiment is offered up by the prophet Habakkuk. And I love his wording from the message version. It says, what God, what's God going to say to my question? I'm braced for the worst. I'll climb to the lookout tower and scan the horizon. I'll wait to see what God says, how he'll answer my complaint. When you get in a mess, get in the word and don't leave it till you feel God has given you a promise of some sort, comfort that will help carry you through. Realize that before God gives victory, he often gives a post-dated check that you must wait before cashing. Has everybody, anybody ever loaned money and the person you loaned it to wrote you a post-dated check because that's when the funds were coming due in their account? So he gives us an answer, but doesn't tell us when we get what we want. So don't be surprised in life when God's answer is trust me. It will be all right. It will, I will take care of it. Everything will be okay. Stop worrying. Rest in me. The check is post dated. We have the answer, but we don't know when it will be accomplished. Till then, we have to walk by faith. We have to walk by faith. It is amazing how many people who are supposed to live by faith fall apart when God asks them to walk it in faith. We are living in a microwave society and sometimes God seems to move at a glacial pace. The whole event of Isaiah 36 and 37 is a long unfolding story. The fact fortified cities fail doesn't mean they'll fail overnight. 
They would have been, a, there would have been a siege and some would have held out for quite some time. The trouble took time to mount and rise to dangerous levels. It was a process. The answer would be the same. So Hezekiah gets this word and nothing changes from his perspective. After a while, Rabshikeh leaves, but his army stays. He goes back to his master, Sennacherib, whom he finds has moved from where he thought he was to someplace else. He tracks him down and somewhere in this process, he withdraws his troops. This may have been over a period of weeks or months. What am I trying to say is this. Sometimes God's answer to us is, trust me, it will be all right and it will. You can trust him because he is trustworthy. You can trust him because it is impossible for him to lie. You can trust him because he loves you. You can trust him because if anybody's check is good, his is the baby will be delivered, but the labor may last a little longer than you wanted. Trust him is the word Isaiah sent back. And it is the word of the Lord for someone here today. Luke 1 and 45 says, and blessed is she that believed for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Are you at a place where it seems God's promises has failed or that your strength to continue believing is near gone? Are you, are you battle or labor weary? Which one are you? God has come to remind you that yes, there may be danger in the delivery room, but don't allow the danger in the delivery room to abort the promises that I have given unto you. You can trust me. Although I may have given you the promise, the time may not be now. Don't push too soon. Don't give up too quickly. Don't cave in and don't throw in the towel. If God said it, surely he will bring it to pass. I pray that something said spoke volumes to you on this morning. God is not a man that he should lie. If he said it, surely it will come to pass. God, we thank you on this morning for your word of empowerment. God, we thank you that you are a promise keeping God. God, we thank you that you are a way maker. God, we thank you that in the trenches, in those moments when we forget the word that you spoke over our lives, oh God, if we would just go back, God, you would remind us that you've not forgotten us that you've written it in the book of life, God, that you knew it before you formed us in our mother's womb. And although the promise check has been written, yet is not the time to cash in. But the time is appointed. The time has been written. And daughter, I am giving you the answer. Stay the way. Trust me for I am trustworthy. 
Trust me because it is impossible for me to lie. Trust me because I love you. Trust me because if anybody else's check is good, mine is. The baby will be delivered, be delivered, but the labor may last a little longer than you wanted it to. Trust me is the word that Isaiah sent back. And it is the word of the Lord for you on today. Trust me for surely delivery will take place. And it is so in the matchless and mighty name of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Perfect in all of your ways. 